This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. (laughs) It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 The Zone. Yeah, count that, uh, Austin, into uh, jobs that sound awesome, but uh, reality, not so much. There's probably a bunch of those out the there. The cat food taste test? No, 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 no. The other one. All right, we're going to talk to Bowler momentarily. We'll, ask, uh, we'll get his thoughts on what he's seeing out there and the two losses to Minnesota. We'll get Bowler's thoughts on, on a lot of stuff. He joins us uh, each and every Tuesday. Uh, we're going to talk to Mark Eaton coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Excited to talk to Mark. Um, we'll talk to him about his uh, relationship with Rudy Gobert and his thoughts on, of course, being a defensive center. He gave an interview to our friend Chris Mannix. Chris did some writing, included Mark uh, in a very nice story about their relationship. So we'll ask Mark about all of that coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But right now, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us, the television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bowler. Jack, what's up, Bowler? Jake, how are you? You're flying the ship, right? Yeah, I'm trying to keep the train on the tracks while Gordon is, uh, you know, sipping a, a, a pina colada or something somewhere tropical. Virgin pina of colada. Course. Of yes, course. Yes, yes. Yeah. I wasn't sure. No, no. It's good, though, that you're flying the ship because I think yeah, you're going to land it just fine. Yeah. I, I hope Gordon, uh, I don't know who he's traveling with, if he's traveling with friends or whatever, but I hope there's a, a standard warning that uh, traveling with Gordon, it's every man or woman for yes, themselves. Yes, yeah. we should have uh, posted some bulletin, you and I, uh, about uh, traveling, uh, you know, really, all, you know, one man, you're all for yourself. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, if you close, if you blink an eye, Gordon's, Gordon's gone. Uh, what happened to Gordon? I don't know. But he's on a flight, and he's safely on his way back home. <laughs> Meanwhile, your your poor yeah. wife is is ill and really fever, <laughs> and uh, trying to drag her around an airport and trying to get a flight home. <laughs> but uh, that's okay, Gordo. You have fun up in first class. Now. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, hey, Bowler, uh, let me get your thoughts. We'll get into the jazz in a second. But Austin and I were just talking about this in the uh, in the last segment. Um, ESPN announced uh, with the NBA, they announced that they're going to do a Marvel broadcast of a couple of NBA games to kind of appeal to uh, to kids. We saw the NFL do it with Nickelodeon. They did a Nickelodeon broadcast. What are yeah. what are your thoughts on that on that concept? Put on your kind of television programmer hat. What do you think uh, with what these leagues are trying to do? Well, I think what what we're looking at right now is a a, a fan base that is in that. 35 to 70 and above, right? They've been around a while. And I think what we've seen is, you know, um, you know, video games uh, taking away eyes from sporting events, whether live or via, you know, viewing television with mom and dad, uh, the interest waning. So I think it's probably in the long run, a semi-brilliant move to see what kind of, uh, impact it has with the younger audience, and if this is a way to rebuild or uh, bring along a fan base and introduce them, I think is the best way, Jake, into the NBA. And you know, did it work uh, for for you know the NFL? Um, 
you know, it's just kind of a wait and see, but it's it's kind of a, no pun intended, a Marvel idea. And I think we're all in that outside-the-box routine now to grow your audience and to expand it, whether it's via your phone, streaming, which is something the Jazz are focused on as well, as you know. And, you know, it's it, you have to go outside the box uh, nowadays. It isn't what it used to be with just – the old days was four, you know, four television stations. You had the three networks and, you know, an UHF, you know, that you got some old reruns and some movies. But now you're in competition even more so. And I think that's really the way they're trying to approach it. I don't see, you know, everyone, walk, you know, sitting around in a marble costume calling games. But the theme of it, I think, is the way that they're trying to look at it. Maybe it, maybe it does bring a new eye. Uh, a new set of eyes uh, to to the broadcast. Yeah, I think it's really forward thinking, and if you can, you know, get some young fans who grow up to be, you know, middle aged and older NBA fans. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. how you grow. That's how you grow the brand. I think it's it's super smart. I'm it starts with you. young, right? I yeah. mean, I think we all know that it does. Your interest with jerseys and fans and getting to a game and wearing a ball cap and saying, "Hey, that's my team." But how do you get them to that point? And this, I think, is really outside that box thinking, which I think we're going to see more of. You know, i got to give Austin credit for coming up with the idea for this question, but what Marvel character would Matt Harpering be? <laughs> oh, what's an evil character? I, <laughs> I don't know. Thanos? Hellboy? Or, is it Hellboy? Hellboy? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's funny. Uh, All right. Uh, Bowler is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's let's jump into the Jazz. Bowler, a lot to talk about from the last couple of games, certainly. But I want to start off with Rudy. And I, I did. I felt bad for Rudy last night because he made he made a big mistake. You know, it you know, you could say it lost the team the game because it, it kinda did. He took total ownership in the postgame, which I, I really respect. But it it reminded me just how truly consistently great Rudy is because, you know, when he makes a mistake it it stands out because it doesn't happen very much. No, no, it doesn't. Uh you know, I I've watched that replay multiple times last night, stayed at the arena. A little extra, uh, longer, nobody there except uh, Matt and I and uh, Booner and uh, David Locke on the radio side and Kristen Kenny. So, I mean, it was kind of a lonely uh, a lonely place. But, you know, you look at it in slow motion at every angle you can see. And, you know, they almost got – it was about a four count, Jake. I mean, if you come along with me, I mean, Ricky played it if it was drawn up like what Finch, I think, wanted it to do. I mean, it was great. But also, it was just enough time, lag time, in that last second before they got to about four seconds. And Ricky was looking to Towns, looked back inside. And then if you also see Towns kind of grabbing uh, Conley to kind of bring him along with him, which I think drew Rudy out even more, thinking, thinking you know, it was going to Towns. He was going to double him, double him and put a hand in his face. But then the cut... And Russell was just as wide open, as easiest bucket he had all year long, in my opinion. So, yeah, um, you know, Rudy was up front. I like an athlete who can say, look, it's on me. We don't have to really discuss it much further. Uh, you know, I should have known better. I've done this a thousand times and plus one. And once in a while you get you get bit. And he got it last night. And then the other part of that, too, is the, the inability for the Jazz to get a shot off. Uh, with pretty what was it 6.2 seconds? I'd yeah. have to go back and look, but it was it wasn't panic time 
I think I even said, look, you got a chance to make a pass and even a dribble if you do it with calm and, and clarity and precision. But, you know, it just never worked out. I don't think Rick, excuse me, Conley had much room to work. I think he was trying to work around a screen by Rudy. And then Rubio, who jumped past him, then recovered very well, by the way, and got in his hand just just in the nick of time to punch the ball out. And the Jazz have no chance. So, But you know what, Jake? The question is, should they have ever been in that position? Uh, and again, for two straight games, you blow leads of uh, 17 and 18 points. And that one, I think, is the most difficult to understand how you can play so well. And then it just goes away and it goes fast. And that's the thing I think they have to figure out. The three-point shot just died on the vine, right? And they put up a franchise record 57 last night, a -hmm. non-overtime game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can look at all sorts of different things, why why they've lost three games to the Timberwolves this year. But I'll be honest with you, on paper – there's some talent there. They've got some a really good sense of where they're going now and how they're building this team with Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Those are three really solid players. And the guy named Nas Reed stuns me in both games. He's an undrafted guy who just ate up the G League last year. But you know what? You find gyms like that who come out and are hungry and want to prove they belong and I think we saw a lot of that in the last two games with Minnesota. Uh, you know, Jake, I don't know where you stand. I don't know if the pressure of the moment of being the number one team in the league and coming into crunch time, we're there, by the way. We're there. And also the loss of Donovan, I think, really showed in these last two games an athlete who can draw attention and take a take a couple of defenders into the paint, and all of a sudden the spacing is there and the open shot. I felt panic at times last night by the three-point shooters, and I also felt like some of them gave up good looks. But if you really break it down, they missed open looks last night. Um, they hit them in the first quarter, and they could not hit another. Very few, by the way, quarters two, three, and four. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're spot on with uh, your your thought about Donovan Mitchell. Last night was an excellent example because, you know, I don't know if Minnesota is playing different defense against other teams, but against the Jazz. They are physical, up-in-your-face guards that make you know life really difficult. They're big, they're athletic. And against Minnesota in both games, I thought, Bowler, the Jazz needed a player who was going to go out there and beat his guy. And, mm-hmm. Mike, and Mike Conley can do that some, but they really depend on Donovan Mitchell for that. And I thought that – I thought this – those two games are really a reminder of just how good he is and what role – that he plays on the team, where when you need a bucket, you need to beat the other guy in front of you. He's the guy to do it. Yeah, you know, the, another good uh, assessment. I, I just, Jake, I've heard you and Tim talk about this all year, and, and I, I'm feeling the same way. I think teams now scout the Jazz, and on that paper is get physical. Yeah. Uh, and when you are, if, you, if, if the Jazz don't push back and show, you know, a little bit of an edge – and and make that statement early, then you start. You can see them start to just lose the confidence. And when I see them not take shots like Joe last night on a couple of occasions, and Clarkson now beginning to hedge a bit again, uh, and Bogey, uh, you know, Conley was solid, and Niang helped the Jazz even get back in the game. And Mike's big three, I thought, okay, there you go. You're going to learn a lesson. You got beat once, but not twice. But then again, it's amazing how a couple of plays down the stretch 
can dictate a win or a loss. But then you ask the question, as I said before, Jake, should he have been in that position in the first place? Um, I just don't think the Jazz punched back, you know, with the physicality and the defense. I was impressed with the way they, they got in their jock. Basically, they were riding hips and pushing them out. Once that first quarter ended, they went out and just became a much more physical defensive team. And they're not very good, mind you. All right, I think they ranked 28th going into that game on the defensive end. But for some reason, the Jazz have got to realize from this point on that everyone comes out with their A game. And there's teams also still playing for contracts, and they're also playing for the future. And you cannot, not after a, a blistering first quarter in both games, say, ah, it's over. No, it's not. Not in this league. And I think those are the lessons I've learned. I think fans see it, and obviously the Jazz have got to realize that more and more. Like Sacramento tomorrow night. Look, uh, De'Aaron Fox is out with health and safety protocol, but they've still got Buddy Heald. They've got Harrison Barnes. uh, They've got a kid named DeLon Wright, and also a rookie named Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton. That won't be an easy game in Sacramento, so you better prepare for it because Phoenix isn't going to let up at all on Friday night. And then you come home for five, but you know this week could decide, really, if you're going to stay at one or you're going to drop to two or even three. Because that's how tight it is. How important is the number one seed for this team, Bowler? Well, you know, I tell you, we've had, we've talked a lot about it, Jake, and uh, you know, I don't think the Lakers or the Clippers care per se. I don't think really uh, Philly, maybe even you know the Nets care. The Jazz, I think, do because I tell you, home court for them is big, and they're a team that still is making that progress, but don't have a lot of postseason experience, and so the seventh man or excuse me, the seventh game with a sixth man is, I think, is, looms large for this franchise this year. Um, could be wrong, but I think I know what Jazz Nation is and how excited they are. And You know, how many more fans can you put in the stands? I don't know. Uh, will they up the ante some uh, if things continue to get, you know, improve with the with a COVID and the vaccine? Maybe. Uh, and I think it only plays into the Jazz hands even more if you have eight to 10,000 fans in the stands. I don't know what that number is, or maybe it stays where it is at the moment. But I think it's helped. I think the energy in the building, look, I'm broadcasting in empty arenas when they're on the road. And, you know, I miss being there because I, I can sense the energy and how it helps a home team. And it's the same for the Jazz. I sense it. When it was empty and we were playing at home, there wasn't much there. But with fans back, there is a boost. You know, it didn't help much against Minnesota Saturday night. But from the, for the most part, the Jazz own the best home record in the league for a reason. And I think it's because they've had fans there. Um, and I think it will help the Jazz in the long run if they would, by chance, play for a Western Conference championship and have that fan base in the house if they needed for a, uh, for a deciding seventh game. Uh, other teams are more playoff savvy than the Jazz, and I, I don't think they worry. I don't think the team itself worries as much. I don't think LeBron, you know, even though he likes to have his fans around, I don't think that that's a deciding factor for him and Anthony Davis and Kyrie and KD and those guys. But I think for the Jazz, it is. So, Bowler, I'm I'm very torn on the concept of this play-in situation for the NBA playoffs. And I apologize if we've asked you about this before, but uh, we saw reports today that it is uh, going to be here to stay, and they've yeah. liked the effects that it's had uh, having more teams uh, with you know something to play for. But right. what, are your, what are your thoughts, Bowler, on uh, the possibility of, or I guess on the play-in tournament and uh, the possibility of it sticking around? 
Well, there's some there's some good points and bad. I think if you're the number one seed, it may be like for the Jazz. Uh, okay, um, are we really going to have to wait until um, you know Thursday night, 24 hours? I mean, do you play on a Sunday? I don't know. That's going to be another interesting. If the Jazz win the number one seed, are they going to, you know, look, Jazz fans? It's it may be a Sunday game, man. It may just be that way. New ownership, I don't think is going to shy away from that. I'm not sure. But I think the league obviously will work with Utah. But, hey, if you're the number one seed and you're working with networks, that's a whole other discussion, right? But getting back to your point, the one versus the eight, who's it going to be? Quinn's talked about it with advanced scouting that they're already looking ahead to potentially the four teams they play, right, in, in round one. That's a lot of manpower and a lot of a lot of work to go into not really knowing until the, until a Friday or a Friday morning on who you're going to play on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, the other teams, of course, uh, you know, middle of the pack, already know four or five, how that's going to work. But I think the one positive, Jake, honestly, when fans are upset about teams tanking and resting players, they're going to have to be – really, teams are going to have to be honest down the stretch. And that's the one thing I think the league is intrigued about is to continue to keep the interest high enough that those games have something to count for and jockeying for, you know, the, the spots, uh, you know, 7-8. And if you're a 9 or a 10, you're still alive with a shot. And I think that's what the league kind of was hoping for, to find. They experimented with it in the bubble, and it seems like it caught some people's attention. And probably for the players, there's not much love for it. But also, it does give, like last year, remember, uh, Damian Lillard said, look, man, why should I even play? You know, if I can't have a chance to be in the postseason, and he got his wish, and the Blazers got there, um, but I think it's, uh, you know, it's a couple extra games revenue. Let's be honest, right? Um, it kind of brings a little bit more attention to the postseason with those playing games, and then all of a sudden you've set the table for the the, the top eight. Uh, I think it's going to be a mixed emotions with players, but I think overall financially, it's a game, and that's what it's all about. It's a business, and uh, it may keep fans' interest in those three to four teams that are still outside looking in. But what if you're a seven or eight who's worked all year yeah. long, right? And then then you get knocked out. Um, that's going to be tough to take, too, after you've worked all six months to get to that seven spot, but you still have to prove yourself to play in. Uh, that may upset a few people, and I can understand why. So here's why here's why I'm really torn on a bowler because I do think too many NBA teams make the playoffs. I think it's oversaturated already, and yeah, yeah, uh, a, a solution as oh well, let's put a couple more teams in there. I I just don't know if I'm coming along with that. But on the other side, the end of the NBA season has become so wonky with teams not trying and who's playing and positioning that you just don't get uh, games with a lot of integrity. So if if you can fix the end of the regular season I see some value there but you're also contributing to an issue of too many teams make the playoffs in my opinion so I'm truly torn over it no I get it you know it's like uh, in in our world today that everyone wins the medal right when I was a kid first second and third that was it you may get participation certificate but you know not everybody wins the medal somebody has to understand that you know there's winners and losers and you have to understand that, swallow that, and work harder the next time around. That's really another argument, right, right. in the world of um, grade schools, junior highs, and high schools. Look, I'm all for 
you know, supporting kids and their efforts. But again, you do have to finally classify a winner and a loser, and you have to accept that. And that's the real life when it comes to professional sports and really in the amateur world as well. Um, but, you know, Jake, uh, you know, you could say once you line them up one through <laughs> one through what, 30 and play one and 30 and then have one incredibly long season of postseason play or one and out type of, of tournament. I don't know. I, I like what it's been. Um, I'm intrigued to see how this is really accepted outside of the bubble, and we're going to find out real soon. Uh, you know, there's if the Jazz were number eight, I think we maybe would look at it different because those games would be so important to try to jump out of the eight spot into a six where you wouldn't have to do a play in. But if you're number nine in the Jazz, then I think we go, oh, hey, 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 we still got a shot, right? But it goes back to your point not everyone deserves to be there, right? Right. And that's, that's I think, where the real argument is. It's like I just said, does the fifth or the sixth place guy deserve a medal or do the top three? And that's where I think the debate will continue, to be honest. It's an intriguing concept. I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but uh, we'll find out a lot more how, how people respond to it uh, over the next few weeks. And also, do those nine, ten teams, you know, they say, well, they've got a shot. Do they really? Or are they just playing a couple extra games only to be fodder for the, you know, the number one seed, right? Well, maybe they're taking a page, Jake, out of March Madness, where once in a blue moon, Cinderella actually wears the slipper, right? Yep. And I remember at CBS, that's what we talked about all the time. They were always hoping for that one or two teams that would capture the imagination of the country in college basketball. And, you know, I call some great games. Bucknell with an upset uh, over Iowa State, you know, a two-seed getting beat by a 15. And for the moment, they're Cinderella. Uh, but then they really, you know, come back down to earth. And I think even a play-in team may find that as well. Um, it's hard to be the one seed, uh, obviously. Um, but it's still intriguing that the opportunity may exist and it's something to talk about. But also I think in the long run, Jacob puts extra, extra eyes on television and brings some more people back to the game that may have lost interest because their team wasn't in. And now they are. And that's what the NBA wants. They want numbers. They want viewers and they want airtime and TNT and ESPN and ABC are able to give it to them. So Buller, if I had to pick a Marvel character to be Austin, I think I would go with the not Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy, but the other big guy. What the what's that character's name? The, the Drax. Drax looks like Hans Olsen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, 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 I'd go Drax for Austin. I think who Drax would be um, good for Hans too. You know, is a Mar- is um, the guy the Doctor Bannon guy um, who Doctor Strange? Oh, no, you mean the, the Hulk? The Hulk. Yeah, he's yeah, Marvel. Yeah. I see Austin as that calm and cool at times. You won't like me when I'm angry. Yeah. But when when he gets frustrated, especially with Gordon, I could see him ripping through his shirt back in <laughs> behind the glass. Oh, I could see that. See, that's I, probably I, happened. I when I asked Jake to ask you who Matt Harper would be, that's who I thought for Harper. Hellboy. Uh, oh, there in front of the oh, camera, his hair's perfectly yeah. quaffed, and he's <laughs> he's all choir boy. But then on the court, we knew what he was about. You know, he's in town, man. We should call him right now and see who he thinks he is. You know, maybe he is uh, the Hulk, the Hulkster. Uh, you know, calm and cool on the outside, but uh, fire burns in, down deep. 
But yeah, those are kind of fun if you put names uh, to characters. You know, there's always somebody you go, what? Uh, then you think, no, nah, maybe that's a pretty good call. So, Well, the answer with Austin, and I know it's not Marvel or really anything close, but it's Mr. Clean. Not only do they, <laughs> they rock the, you know, the bald look quite well, but a uh, few people actually know Austin likes things tidy. He's a he's a, Austin's house is not messy. Let's put true. it that way. Austin, do you uh, do you have like wipes and are you disinfecting at twenty four out twenty four seven? Bowler, I was protecting against COVID before it was cool. That was uh, I, cool. I was I was carrying Lysol wipes Lysol wipes everywhere with me when I was like yeah. eight. So, you know what? I'll, I'll let you in on a quick secret. I do carry a small mini can of Lysol, and I think I learned this trick years ago. It keeps you, you know the. You never know when you're on the road. Now, look, I have my own headset now, my own headphones, so that's a good thing. And so you know where the microphone's been. But you don't know who's been touching your stuff when you go on the road to Toronto or Chicago or Cleveland because you know there's been a, an audio, as they call it in the business, an A2 out there testing your mic to make sure it works. But did he have a bad night the yeah. night before? Or, or worse, you're working yeah. a remote here on the zone, and you do know who used that headset before him. <laughs> Plus, if you carry around some Lysol, you get mugged or something, they get a face full of Lysol, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, too. It's, it's almost, sterile. You know, yeah. yeah, it's sterile. Say, look, pal, I'm sorry. It may sting a bit, but you're going to be clean later. <laughs> but I do. I spray down the, the, the headset, you know, the ears, and, and, the, and the, the, as we call it, the wind flag, you know, but you don't know who's been chewing tobacco the night before or, like I said, who had a rough night. And so, <laughs> you know, you play it safe, man, because on the road especially, you just got to stay healthy through 82 games. So this year it's 72, but it's hard to stay healthy when you fly and you don't know uh, who's been touching what. And I guess I just picked that up, and I'm, I'm glad I do. And I, if I run out, I panic. So I always try to have two little mini cans, and you tell TSA what they are. And they say, oh, okay, well, it's only two ounces. We'll let it through. Okay, thank you. Booner used to carry like a 12-ounce can. And they, they won't, you know, of course, they, they take that away from him now. So he, we got turned on to the mini stuff, the little mini bottles. They don't last long, but at least you can travel with them. Because um, Boone sprays everything, by the way, guys. Okay. Boner sprays everything. Yeah, it makes a difference these days. You, by the way, Bowler, you had the line of the show today. Like, hey, buddy, that may sting a little bit, but you're going to be clean later. <laughs> That's my favorite line of the show so far. <laughs> Thank you, Bowler. Yeah. Hey, guys, be good. Hey, uh, tell the big man, uh, Mark Eaton, and tell him where he got his broadcast start. Ask him where he got his broadcast start. All right. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. do just that. Thanks, All Bowler. Right, All right, guys. Buddy. There you go. The great Craig Bowlerjack, television voice of the Utah Jazz, joins us each and every Tuesday. We always look forward to it. Bowler's the best. All right. We'll have more for you coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This on a Total Request Tuesday goes out to Dorishnikov, who uh, wanted money by Pink Floyd. Songs or bands that remind you of Gordon? You can tweet at Austin Horton, at Jake Scott Zone. Pretty stoked we haven't had any Beatles yet. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to play them. How much is Gordon's money thing a myth, and how much is it that he really has a lot of money? 
guessing it's uh, he's earned that reputation, right? It's not uh, it's not a shtick we invented. No, here. no, no. I don't think he's you know running a Ponzi scheme or anything. I think he's <laughs> I think he he legit has the means to own multiple Porsches and to vacation where there are butler services right. in house. Yeah, I think yeah. that's legit. Okay, I think he earned that rep. I, I do. Hey, quick story here. Um, NFL draft coming up. On Thursday, and uh, did you see this uh, from the Packers GM talking about Aaron Rodgers, uh, Austin? I did. Quote, Aaron's our guy. He's going to be our quarterback for the foreseeable future, even acknowledged that they may try and rework and lengthen his contract. What does that mean for our guy, former Aggie Jordan Love? Yeah, Jordan, uh, yeah, is probably like, well, why don't you find me a different team to play for? You think so? Because I, I think this is a victory for Jordan Love, honestly. How so? Sit sit another year, maybe two, behind Aaron Rodgers as Aaron Rodgers ages and perhaps plays less good over the coming seasons. You're going to become number one favorite fan favorite guy there in Green Bay, and then you'll get the gig. So you'll have you'll have an extra long honeymoon as the starting quarterback. See, I just I just wonder because when they say foreseeable future. That screams like longer to me. Well, isn't than just a year? Isn't or two. Aaron Rodgers like thirty-eight? I know, but Tom Brady's one hundred and five, and he's still playing. Yeah, he did just have that major surgery. But. The Patriots drafted Tom Brady's replacement like six times. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, but it wasn't the the ugliness of the relationship between Brady and the Patriots took a lot longer to surface than it has with Rodgers and the Packers. Didn't? Wouldn't you agree? Was it ever really that ugly between Tom and the Patriots? He left. I know, but wasn't that somewhat mutual by the end? Oh, I don't I don't think so. I think that I think that he was sick and tired of the stuff coming from Belichick. Hmm. Well, anyway, if I'm Jordan Love, I wanna I want my bite at the apple. Okay, but you're under contract still. You're still gonna get paid, right? Oh well I I, I I don't feel that bad for him. Yeah, I mean, he's still so why waste a, it? A what fine if, living. What in if the they world. say that's it? You're starting. Good riddance to Aaron Rodgers, and you suck. Oh, then I, you're out of football now. Oh no, I don't think that. Uh, I mean, Rodgers was awesome last year. I don't think the Packers should push him out. I think that they should move on from Jordan Love. Oh, well, I mean, with that. So I thought you were saying that this is bad news for Jordan Love because he's not going to get to play right away. And I'm saying that's actually good news if I'm Jordan Love. See, you added right away there. I'm saying he's not going to get to play ever, ever until he's like been yeah. in the league for five years, right? And then that could be the case. So that that is is more like, I mean, if I'm Jordan Love, I want to be Jimmy Jeed, right? You know, just move me to some place where I'm going to have an opportunity to play. Okay, where would you like to go? Anywhere that's Houston's looking, aren't they? Anywhere that's uh, going to give me an opportunity to play. Ugh. What what if it's like ugh, there's a lot of bad places. There's a lot of bad teams. Right, but I mean Green Bay doesn't really, I mean having a first round quarterback on their bench doesn't really do them any good cuz they're not going to play him. I guess I'm not grasping the idea that I would be fine to be Aaron Rodgers backup for another year or two. And I think that's about as long as it's going to go. But you think it's going to be much longer. Well, I say foreseeable future. It seems like he's going to be riding the pine forever. The funny thing about the phrase foreseeable future is that can be massaged into tomorrow. But Aaron Rodgers just won the MVP. 
Yes, but he also also wants to host Jeopardy. How focused is he on the job? I don't know if it matters as long as he did what he did last year. We're not going to move on from that. Choke in the postseason? Ooh, shots fired. Wasn't good enough for them to not kick that field goal. Shots fired. All right, coming up next. By the way, I thought that was the end of his relationship there. I kind of did, too. I thought he was going to be like, "Uh, I'm out. Yeah. That was funny, that joke on Jeopardy, speaking of that. All right, stay tuned. Not Sports Report coming up next. Mark Eaton at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. On a total request Tuesday, songs that remind you of Gordon. Austin, this one goes to our friend Hugh Chasta trailer. You'll have to I- explain this one to me. Yeah, uh, one of our uh, oldie but goodie promos is Gordon being mad about the song Walking on Sunshine. Right. Because right, right. he doesn't like upbeat music. Uh-huh. And uh, Shasta is the guy that has his wet bar designed where he can say, uh, annoy Gordon, and it plays Walking on Sunshine. And so he sent this in because this song reminds him of Gordon. It's not very upbeat. It is not. If I'm beat. reading between the lines All here. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, or, uh, Austin. It's do you time. speak Russian? I do not speak okay, Russian. Okay, because no. I hope they're not saying bad things. Yeah, let's hope so. <clears throat> All right, it's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out at lhmusedcars.com. All right, I have, a, I have a couple stories for you, Austin. First one, th- this one will be short. Burning Man organizers announced uh, today they are canceling this summer's annual counterculture festival in the Nevada desert for the second year in a row due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Darn. Not a Burning Man guy? I have never understood Burning Man, Coachella, any of that stuff. Why, why do you want to go out in the sweltering, sweltering sun? You feel like you're in hell on earth with 8,000 people that smell and stink and are drunk off their rears, and you don't want to be there, do you? I just Or am uh, I the dad from Footloose now? No, I, I know some people have gone to, to Burning Man. My great-uncle went to Burning Man two years wow. ago. Well, two years ago? Uh-huh. I thought you were going to say like he was at the first one ever or something. No, this was a couple of years ago. He's in kind of the, the bucket list phase of his life. I see. And so he, he went to Burning Man. Uh, Not really midlife crisis. No, 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 no. Uh, uh-uh. uh. I'll explain more to you okay. off the air. It's actually a, it's it's a great. See story. the one my, that had that dog. Uh, no, no, oh, no okay. different. Right. Uh, no, my my great uncle Kurt. Uh, he's a really cool dude. But, um, see, uh, is it really counterculture if you're following the rules? You know what I mean? Like this, th- this decision smacks of like going in the face of the point of Burning Man. And and if you're really worried about like. Uh, let's see how I how I put it. Like, isn't the idea to flaunt consequences? Like, isn't that why you're going? Like, you're going to uh, uh, do drugs in the middle yeah, of the desert because damn you, the torpedoes, you yeah. don't care about the consequences because you know? you're told you shouldn't. Right. That's like, that's the saying. idea. So doesn't isn't canceling Burning Man uh, because of the pandemic? You know, doesn't that like fly in the face of why that exists in the first place? That's a really good point. I didn't even connect. 
didn't even think all the way through to that. But that's absolutely, they ought to be ashamed of themselves. Right, yeah. They're doing the right thing, and that's never been their motto. Exactly. They're conforming. <laughs> that's right. That they are, They've become sheep. Right. Isn't the whole thing like we're doing it in the middle of the Nevada desert because we're not going to ask anybody's permission. We're, to, we're countercultural. You can't tell us what to do. What we, we're going to find out next that they've been getting paid permits all these years to have this held right. down there. I mean, this is this is a, a really bad joke, but like if I went to Burning Man, like COVID-19 would probably be number five or six on the list of diseases alone that I'd be worried about bringing back. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few other uh, mystery or uncurable diseases that yeah. are higher up there. So I, I read this and I was like, wow, I, I'm kind of disappointed in Burning Man, actually. Because that, that's a good point. That's not how they're supposed to be. Who are you? I don't even know you anymore, Burning Man. Right. All right. And then uh, I, I've, got, uh, I've got this story for you. Um, coming out of Hollywood, uh, this involves Tom Cruise. Have you seen this story today? Who? Uh, Thomas uh, W. Cruz. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No, was, I didn't see it. He was filming a movie with Elizabeth Shue. And I'm we talked to, about her off air yesterday. We did talk about her off the air yesterday, and I'm trying to remember. All good things. I'm trying to figure out uh, which which movie it was. I I read about it. Which wasn't movie? she in Top Gun? No, she was not. Oh no, that was uh, what's her name? Uh, let's see here. They, what movie was it? Anyway, they were filming like a beach scene, and they were filming it using a, uh, a helicopter. And the only way that uh, Elizabeth Shue and Tom Cruise could review the footage with the director, the director had his cocktail. Con- by the way, it was cocktail. That's right. Uh, the The director had the console with all the to review the footage was actually in the helicopter. So they would film the scene, then the helicopter would land. And Tom and Elizabeth Shue would walk over, review the footage, and then they would and then reshoot get, again. Get comment from the director or whatever, and uh, wow. you, you know, do the whole thing. Well, apparently on this particular helicopter, uh, the the rear uh, propeller—that's not a propeller. What are they? Rotary. Call it? The, the, yeah, the the one uh, in the, the back. tail rotor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the one in the back. Uh, was pretty clear when it was moving, like you kind of, you know, you wouldn't necessarily know, notice it was there per It's going se. so fast it was invisible. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, I guess uh, Elizabeth Shue and, and Tom are uh, are leaning into the helicopter, reviewing footage with the director. Elizabeth Shue then uh, starts to walk around the back of the helicopter. Tom Cruise, realizing that she doesn't see that uh, turret, or what? not turret. Rotary. Rotary. Uh, dives, grabs her ankles, and trips her, like pulls back, and she falls to the face ground. Face first on the ground. Face first onto the ground. And then I guess she realized what she was just about to do. Oh, my God. Didn't say a word and just kind of walked off. Like, Didn't say thank you? I mean, I think she was in shock. Okay. Like, realized she wasn't, it, like, mad. No, she wasn't, like, a jerk about it. She was, like, if this guy hadn't died. Like grabbed yeah. my ankles, like last second, like she would have been just completely like the guy in Indiana Jones. Like the guy in Indiana Jones. Oh my gosh, he saved her life. He saved her life. And this uh, was a story that the, one of the camera operators on the set told uh, about uh, um, Tom Cruise saving right. Elizabeth Shue's life. Now that movie is what close to forty, if not forty years old. Cocktail? Uh late eighties, yeah, early nineties. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so it's taken this long for this story to be told. 
does that ring true or does that prove that it is more likely to be true or does that lend to it being folklore? See, I think it's something like this. I could totally believe something. Why like wouldn't this. no one have talked about this? I don't know. Maybe that's, they that's didn't. That's a hell of a story. They didn't feel it was newsworthy. I don't know. They didn't want the insurance premiums for the, <laughs> you know, that to, to OSHA go may yeah, not right. like it. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly. Here's, here's what the guy said. Uh, here's the quote. Quote, Tom is a pilot rated in both uh, airplanes and helicopters and instantly saw the danger. The camera operator continues. He lunged after her, but only was able to grab her legs, tackling her to the ground. At that point, she turned white and pulled her back towards the front, uh, pull towards the front of the helicopter, and they walked away. All of us in the helicopter were quite shaken up by the close call, but there was nothing to be said. Tom had, in that instant, truly saved her life. Unquote. That's amazing. I mean, he he's he's done some rotten things in his life, but this was. That's that's incredible. That's incredible. Because haven't we all been there too when we're not necessarily paying attention and you walk into a doorway or something like that? Maybe yeah, and all my jerk friends are just or, like, huh, watch yeah, this. Exactly. They don't stop me. She was going to uh, end her life. That's unbelievable. That, hey, here, here, Tommy. Well done. Because I know if I were in Tom Cruise's shoes, I wouldn't have thought a thing about it. I would have been, all right, Elizabeth, go have a cup of coffee or something. We'll see you in a minute. But he's like, wait a minute. Did someone turn on a garbage disposal? That's like a, that's like a superhero move. <laughs> Terrible joke. Terrible joke. Usually it's Gordon who's I'm sorry. whose lame jokes put a stop Thoughts to the Thoughts and prayers to the shoe family. This time it's Austin. Somebody turn on a garbage disposal. Oh. All right. Uh, the great Mark Eaton joins the show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 12. She lived. Zone.